This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode 6-0. Let's do it. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It is delightful and great to have you here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're hopeful. Hopefully, oh, I, I, I try to make up words sometimes, and uh, sometimes they come out sounding not so good. So uh, anyway, good to have you here. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Enjoy having you hang out with us. So uh, it really does mean a lot. Got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking with a guy who's got a really great story. He's really doing some cool stuff to support a really cool group of people. So, hey, before we do that, I want to let you know and just remind you, next week we're going to be releasing a course that we've been working on for the past several months. You've been hearing me talk a little bit about here and there. I'm just super, super pumped to get this into your hands. So the course is called Clarity Course, and it's designed for people who are really struggling trying to find work that they love. So if you're someone that's not only trying to figure out what it is that you want to do with life in terms of a career, but also trying to figure out how to actually make that happen, whether you're looking for some type of traditional career, you want to work for a company or corporation, you just need to find the type of work, or maybe you want to start your own deal. You want to start a business. Listen, this course is designed with you in mind. So if you're looking for clarity and you need some direction, this course is for you. So right now, this week, we are giving out some uh, free different video trainings that we've done. I would love for you to check out and be a part of. You can go to claritycourse.com. Again, that's claritycourse.com. You can just register there and we will send you a bunch of free video trainings. That way you don't miss out. I don't want you to miss out on anything that we've got going on. I want to resource you and support you again on your journey to find and do work you love. All right, today we've got a great interview with my friend Phil Randazzo. Phil is a guy who runs an organization, a nonprofit called American Dream U, where he really helps soldiers and military as they are coming back from the battlefield, as they are coming back from where they've been stationed all over the world. As they're coming back, he's helping them kind of transition into civilian life, especially on the world of work and helping them find and do work that they love. So excited to share with you Phil's story and journey about how he got into this and how he found his passion and took action with it. So great story, great stuff. Let's get into it. Here you go, my friend Phil. Enjoy. All right, what is up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today we are joined by Phil Randazzo, who is a entrepreneur, CEO, got his hands on a bunch of different things. There's one in particular that I'm pretty intrigued by and stoked by. So we'll get into his entire story and journey today. So Phil, what is up? Welcome to the show. Hey, going great. Good, man. All right, so you run this organization, this operation called American Dream U. Give us a snapshot of what that business is. Yeah, so what we do is we bring in entrepreneurs, business leaders like yourself at military installations, and we hold three-day events. And just very quickly, what those events are is we give the entrepreneur a day with the soldier, marine, sailor, and airman, meaning you get to see what they do on a daily basis whether it's fire weapons, learn how to clear rooms, do Apache flight simulators, you get to experience what they get to experience. So you get to kind of get to know them. The next day, 
the entrepreneurs speak. And they're speaking to the audiences, the men and women who are transitioning out of the military. And we'll get more into that. And then the third day is they get breakout sessions. If they want to leave and get their next dream job, that's great. We're going to help them with different tactics and interview skills and you know what the real world is looking for. And then also we go through a business model canvas, kind of a full day of how to understand the process of starting a business. And so we've done three military bases. We've got three scheduled for next February, March, and, and we plan on doing about eight to 10 a year. So basically, I mean, the nutshell of the idea is you're just trying to help soldiers and military personnel make that transition from military life to civilian life. We want them to have a successful transition, whatever success means to them, whether it's land that dream job, whether it's start a, a side business while they land that dream job, start a business or go back to school. That's it. We want that to be successful. Now, were you in the military yourself? I was not. So where does that passion come from then to help them make that smooth transition? You know, my father was an immigrant from Italy, from Sicily, and he couldn't do what he did. He was an entrepreneur himself, uh, ran into some troubles at, uh, towards the end of his life in terms of financially. But the opportunities that this country gives us are just amazing. And so I've always been a big fan of the military. And then, of course, after 9-11, you know, I looked into joining the military just because why am I different? Because I'm an entrepreneur and I was an old college athlete. I've had multiple surgeries on pretty much every part of my body and there was no way I was getting in. And so I was just looking for a way to give back to the men and women who make it possible for you and I to do what we do. And so that's kind of how I got into it. I didn't start doing American Dream U. I started with helping the wounded, their families, the fallen. We had a big partnership with the Wounded Warrior Project, Fisher House, and we can get into all that, but it's, you know, I mean, I just watch these 19, 20 year old kids and they're just amazing, right? right what right. they do. You know, when I was 19, 20, I was, you know, chasing girls in college and having fun and I didn't know what was going on, right? And these guys are out there, you know, 24 seven protecting you and I and giving us the ability to do what we do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, my wife and I we were actually, we were in uh, visiting New York last weekend and went and saw the 9-11 Memorial in the museum. And it's just, uh, yeah, even years later, it's still it's difficult to even articulate, you know, the power of that moment and what so many people went through at the time and then have since gone through. So let me ask you this, though. I mean, I think something like 9-11 is something that rattled a lot of people, but there's a lot of different types of things in life that rattle people. So what was it about that then, not necessarily 9-11, but just military in general that causes you to feel like that's something I want to not only, you know, just write a check for or get involved with, but like, I'm willing to like really dive into this hardcore. Cause I think there's a lot of types of things that we see on the news or just different causes or different things that are all good causes are all plenty of good things to get behind. So how do you differentiate between the things that are like, Oh, that's cool, but I can't get involved in everything. So was it about the military, I guess, or just their need there that drew you into that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So, I mean, again, I've always been fascinated, you know, watching the History Channel and seeing these, you know, Grant, I'm in my mid-40s, right? And these guys are kids that are doing things, I could call them kids, you know, 19, 20, right. that are doing some amazing things. And I've just always been fascinated by, right, the history of our military, you know, how we, you know, we're kind of freedom fighters for a lot of people around the world who don't have the freedoms that we have. So I've always been kind of fascinated by that. And then, of course, 9-11 happened, and I was, to be honest, I was pissed. You know, I'm sitting there right. 6 in the morning, you know, watching, you know, the World Trade Center and seeing these people literally jumping to their death, and I was pissed, right? I think the whole country was upset. Sure. And so I was trying to find something that I could do. You know, military wasn't an option for me. I, my One of my biggest regrets, Grant, is not joining the military right out of college. Hmm. You know, do some service for our country. Uh, I think that's... 
I don't want to say it should be mandatory, but some type of service for our young people is great. I've got three kids in college right now, and they've been involved in what I'm doing. But so the military has just always kind of been, you know, it's tugged at my heartstrings, to be honest with you. And so, and then, you know, Pat Tillman, I don't know if you know the story of Pat yeah. Tillman. Yeah. So I had started my uh, private foundation in March of 2003, and then Pat Tillman was killed in April of 2004. And I'm just sitting here going, here's an NFL player, right? Leaves his wife, you know, he's a newlywed, leaves a $3.6 million contract to join the army with his brother. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Who does that? Hmm. You know, I mean, people would kill to be, you know, in the NFL. And so I was just fascinated by that whole story. You know, he didn't do one interview before he left. And so I literally flew up to San Jose, didn't know Pat, you know, just kind of heard his story. And he got me really motivated to do more. You know, his just whole entire story. And I don't know if you've read anything about him, but just a fascinating guy. So he really kind of pumped me up to continue this mission because I had, you know, had just started about a year before. So I don't know. I've gone to Walter Reed, Bethesda, Brook Army Medical Center. I've seen these young men and women, what they've done. Grant, it's just awesome. And I'm hoping you're going to get to spend some time with, you know, actually on a military base. And I don't know if you've ever spent time in a military base, but it's just... It's an amazing group of people. Yeah, and I know we've talked, you know, a month or two ago, and hopefully that we can make that happen. I'd be able to come out there and be a part of that. I know I travel quite a bit, and so there's frequently times where I pass soldiers in uniform in airports all the time or on planes, and and I always try to, from time to time, stop and shake hands and just say, "Man, you're way braver than I am for sure." But yeah, even like you alluded to earlier, that you know we can't do what we do without what they do. But you know, I think it's fascinating there, uh, and you kind of alluded to it as well that it's easy to see a need and feel like, oh man, that boy, that'd be great. Someone ought to do something about it. But to actually like take the next step and actually begin to get involved in it. And it sounds like it was more than just 9-11 happened. You're pissed. You want to do something about it. But it sounds like there's kind of just been this, you said you're even this fascination as a child and even growing up, there's just kind of that thing just, I don't know, in your in your DNA or your blood, there's something that is just drawing you towards this thing, this, this fascination with the military. And then even after 9-11 of now, it really starts to continue to come out and your involvement in some of the different bases and military hospitals. So I think that's fascinating for a lot of people that may be listening to this who are going, you know, there's so many things I want to make a difference in, so many things I want to be a part of. How do I pick the thing for me? Uh, and it sounds like for you, it's kind of been this thread of fascination over years and years and years of life that's now come out in its current format. Yeah. And you know what's awesome about it is it's not work. It's I love it. I mean, I'm running a couple different, you know, businesses and organizations and I spend probably a good 30 hours a week with American Dream U and it's it's awesome. I mean, it gives me energy. It's not something I dread doing. It's something that if I could do full time, now I completely fund this organization myself, so I have to work to be able to fund it. But Grant, man, it gets me excited and motivated. And when I get emails, you know, I had an email from a guy yesterday, I hooked him up with from Fort Bragg with a mentor and I could feel his excitement now leaving the military. You know, these guys don't get scared of much, Grant. Right. These guys are not fearful guys. You know, I've trained with them. Boy, these guys are rock stars. But one thing I think they're slightly uncertain about is the transition leaving the military. They're leaving their buddies. They're leaving, you know, what they kind of were trained to do. And, you know, all of a sudden those guys that you're thanking, you know, at the airports in uniforms, they're not wearing uniforms anymore when they leave the military. Right. And so they kind of lose that brotherhood. And so 
I am, boy, when I get those emails, I had an email from a guy yesterday and he was just like, oh, the, my mentor's awesome. She's already steered me in the right direction on this. And I'm like, that is just way cool, yeah. right? I mean, so those are what, you know, fill me with energy. So yeah, I mean, I would say to people out there listening, it's find something you're passionate, whether it's animals, whether it's kids, whether it's medicine, whatever it is, just do it. What are you waiting for? Right. You know, it's going to give you more energy than take away from you. Now, let's backtrack a little bit. I know that you're in Vegas now, and you said you moved there from Chicago. Did you grow up in Chicago? I did. Okay. What was life like growing up? You said that your dad was an immigrant from uh, Sicily? He was. So I had a pretty interesting childhood. So my parents got divorced. My dad got custody of my sister and I, and I think I was about 10. And so, you know, 35 years ago, it's pretty unusual for the father to get custody at the time. And so my sister and I went back and forth from my mom. My dad, we just wanted to figure out whose rules were best, right, right. meaning you know what we could get away with. And my dad had started a few business, had retired young, put all his money in the stock market. And then in 2001, when the dot-com bubble burst, he lost everything, ended up on Medicaid, passed away a couple years ago, kind of a sad deal. So you know, I learned to, my dad had a restaurant. I was a busboy at 11. I was a worker, man. I didn't know anything other than just to work. And so yeah. it was it was good for me, but I also knew I didn't want to be a dishwasher my whole life. Sure. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get out of that, you know, minimum wage type deal, even though I was working for my dad. And he probably fired me at least six or eight times. And then he would call me <laughs> up and go, you know, get your butt back in here, you know. So <laughs> it was interesting. He was an old Italian guy. I got a video I'm posting up from my college graduation. I wasn't the smartest guy in the world, Grant. Finished with a 2.1 in high school and I think 2.7 in college. And I didn't go to a tough college, right? I went to Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. So school wasn't for me. I loved it. I played sports, but I didn't learn in that type of environment. I'm very learned about self-education a little bit too late in life. And I was in my early 20s, but it's just self-education is just awesome. And so I learned best in that environment and just doing and just getting my teeth kicked in. But so I had a very interesting childhood. I mean, I wasn't abused or anything, but it was uh, when you grow up with a, a guy from Sicily, it's he mess around. definitely flare. <laughs> so once you're at Ball State, what kind of path are you on at that point? What are you thinking you're wanting to do? Oh, gosh. So I went to junior college for two years. I went to Ball State because, to be honest with you, it was the only school that would let me in. <laughs> so I graduated with, a, I think, a physiology and health science degree and like marketing minor, which means I took like two classes in marketing. Right, right. You know, I met my wife there. That was probably the only, uh, met some great friends and my wife there. We've been married for 23 plus years. So, you know, after Ball State, the only job I could get was a 100% commission selling life insurance. And boy, talk about, you know, at, at 22 years old and I had a newborn at the time. So, you know, you get out of college and you got a newborn a month after, boy, you, that's some motivation to get to work. You got to grow up real fast at that point. Oh, Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a common thread with entrepreneurs, you know, either you have a kid or something happens and you got to you kind of kind of get in gear. So I started in Chicago living in the basement of my dad's house. That didn't work out too well. Lived at my mom's house and there was seven of us with one bathroom and we had a newborn. Just horrible. So a buddy moved to Vegas from high school. He's like, you got to come out here. It's awesome. So we moved to Vegas, lived with him, worked at the newspaper, delivering newspapers at night selling life insurance commission. And then my wife had a daycare in our apartment and worked at the safe keys in the school. And I did some other odds and ends just to pay bills, Grant. It was right. pretty brutal. And it was one of those things where it was like, 
Thank God I didn't move back where it was somewhat easier for me, right? At least free rent and those type of things. And then just, you know, just kind of worked hard. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I picked up a Dan Kennedy book at the library on marketing, on direct sales marketing. And it was like kind of the light bulb went off going, wow, I don't want to make 100 cold calls a day and knock on 30 doors a day. And then started getting into and you know probably your longer, younger listeners are going who is Dan Kennedy and you know Jim Rome and Zig Ziglar and all these people who are just I mean timeless icons oh just awesome I mean even today I was you know yesterday listened to a Nightingale audio and I'm like yeah. wow this boy this guy should be you know these college kids and high school kids should be just all over this stuff so very fortunate and yeah I mean it's so it sounds like you're just kind of like roaming through life at that point. Just like at this point, our primary purpose is just to eat and live indoors, make sure my wife and my newborn here are taken care of. But in terms of career, like there's really no direction. You're just kind of going through life. Zero. Yeah. yeah. Zero direction. Yeah. At what, point, was- at what point are you starting to feel like, okay, I mean, I can, you know, I, I think we all have like that. Maybe it's like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you got to start by just making sure you can eat and live indoors. And once those are taken care of, then you can kind of step back and figure out, all right, what is it that I want to do? And I think that's where a lot of people are that may be listening to this is going, all right, you know, I can pay the bills and I can eat and live indoors and that's all well and good, but this isn't really what I want to be doing. So at what point are you starting to pivot or shift or just sounds like even some of you, just the, the, what you're listening to and learning about and what you're just kind of filling your own head with is just some motivational stuff where you're beginning to look differently at life. So what do you think in there? Uh, what might be next? Yeah. So selling life insurance is a pretty tough discussion. So I, you know, long story short, I found that talking about health insurance was a little bit easier because everyone, you know, for the most part wanted to have health insurance. So I started a benefits company back in 1994. I get bored really easy grant. So once I got that up and rolling, then I started, you know, buying land because I thought, oh, you know, someone, you know, I'd probably listen to something about, you know, right, land right. is the next great thing. So I bought land and built some buildings and, you know, got bored, you know, after that and started a medical building company called Capital MD and exited that in 2004. And just, I guess I'm a typical, like, what do you call it, ADHD, where shiny objects are really bad for me. So my focus is, and I'm really working on it is all over the map. And so I would just get interested in something and just go for it, right? Find someone to partner with. But yeah, I mean, it's tough. And, you know, I've got three kids that 20, almost 23, 21 and 19, and they're all three in college at the same time. And they're like, dad, this is just a waste, Hmm. right? I know what I want to do. Why do I have to take astronomy, whatever, you know, class? And it's, it's tough. And it's just, I would just say, find something that you would do for free, right? And just go for it. Right, right. Now, I like one of the things that you said there too, where you've got that shiny object syndrome, you've got that ADHD of just all over the map. Because I think a lot of people today are wired like that. Like it's really, really rare that someone, you know, they come out of college, they find a career and that's what they're going to do for the next 40 or 50 years. Like most of us were wired to, I'm going to do something for, you know, four or five, six years. And then if it runs its course and I find something different, great. And then I'll probably do that for a bit. And then it runs its course. And instead of feeling like I have one thing and I'm stuck, I'm trapped here doing this thing forever, but at least giving myself permission to, oh, that looks cool. Let's try that for a little bit. And if it works out great and if it bombs, fine, but at least I try it. And then once that takes place, then I can try something different instead of feeling like I'm pigeonholing myself. So how do you give yourself almost that permission to try a bunch of different things instead of feeling stuck? 
Well, a couple of good points in there. First off, doing the same thing for 40 years just sounds horrible. I would agree, yes. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. There's variations of it, but that just sounds horrible. So one thing I would say, and I work with a ton of young entrepreneurs uh, weekly, is what I see happen, Grant, is that you know they're climbing the mountain. They find something interesting, right? And then they're just almost to the top, and it gets a little bit tough and a little bit hairy, and then they come back down. Yeah. And they go to the next mountain, right? I mean, there's a great book called Three Feet from Gold from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And I think a lot of people are just, they start something and they're so close and then they just stop Mm. because whether it gets a little difficult or they find something new. So I would encourage everybody, first off, obviously do some market testing, right? I see a lot of people jump into business, spend money, and there's just no market for it, but just try to complete it. You know, I have on my notebook, the definition of excellence is follow through to the completion. Good and stuff. so I think that's really important for people. Yeah, if you're passionate about something, it's either a hobby or it's a business, right? Right, right. If it's a hobby, great. Acknowledge it's a hobby. You're not going to make much money, and you, but you just love doing it. If it's a business, boy, you got to find a way to put food on the table and to be passionate about something, but have it pay some bills. So I would just say just complete it. How do you know, like you know, that analogy of three feet from gold? I, I think for some people, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur and you're doing your own deal or whether you're in a career and you're trying to climb some proverbial ladder, how do you know, though, when you're in the midst of it, whether you're three feet or three miles from gold? I think that's the challenge, right? I mean, I think, you know, the whole job ladder discussion is interesting, right? Because I've been out of corporate world. I don't even think I was ever really in it. I was only in it for a short period of time, but it was always you just did everything just to make your boss happy, right? You just did whatever to get up to that ladder. That's a really good question. I don't know. Yeah. All I know is a couple times I was three feet from gold and I quit and someone else took the ball and took it to the goal line and I was you know, minus three feet from gold, right? right, right. Someone else got the gold. So that's a really good question. That's interesting. I'm going to have to think about that. You ponder that. You get back to us. Uh, with yeah, well, what that. are your thoughts on that? You know, I don't know. I do think that there, it's difficult to know what where you're at because hindsight's always going to be 2020 and look back and be like oh man i was really close you know and so i think there's you just have to have massive wisdom there to know the difference between i'm chasing an idea i'm chasing a dream i'm chasing a goal that's just not realistic or not attainable or is going to require more work than what i want versus i'm right there and i'm so passionate about this that i'm willing to persevere and to put in the work necessary to get there. So I think some of it comes down to maybe just getting outside perspective from other people, because sometimes people can see things that we are obvious to them, but we're blinded to. You know, if, if I said, man, I'm super passionate about starting a business about underwater basket weaving, I may be hardcore passionate about it, but it'd be helpful to have someone from the outside say, man, I don't see anybody else making a living doing this. And I don't know how you're going to pull this off. So, you know, getting outside perspective and then also just, I think some of it's just being self-aware of what is realistic, what is possible, and what is maybe just chasing a pipe dream there. Yeah, and you said something really key is is mentorship or finding someone who's just a little bit ahead of you, Yeah. right? Yep. Because they can say, you know, and that's a good point. And I had, I forget, it was a conversation with someone just recently, and I said, who else is successful in that industry, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, if you can't find anyone else successful in underwater basket weaving, there's probably a good chance that it's, it's pretty tough. I'm not saying it can't be successful, but try to emulate, right, and learn from someone else who's already been there and done that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, how long were you just in your career in general before American Dream U came into the picture? Let's see. That was nine years. 
All right, so you're just doing your own thing for nine years, and then you finally decide to start this. When you have this idea of, man, I know I want to help, how do you begin to transition from, I want to help, and I want to change the world, and I want to make a difference, to like an actual, tangible, tactical plan of, here's how I'm going to actually help? How do you make that transition? Yeah, so my first organization, which I still have, is called Defending Freedom. And so that kind of got started right when the war started in Iraq in March of 03. And I was at a function and I was watching TV and there was all these anti-war protesters, right? I mean, protesting these kids who were sent over and it was just disgusting to me. And so I turned to my wife and the other couple we were with and I'm like, I'm going to have a pro-troop rally. Why doesn't someone just have a pro-troop rally? Hmm. And my wife, of course, just rolled her eyes at me because that's just what she does when I come up with an idea. And within four days, I had 5,000 people come to my office parking lot to show support. And it was the largest, the LA Times covered it, the largest pro-troops rally of its kind at that time. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of pent-up people who really want to help, but they just don't know how to help. And so that was like, oh, that was kind of my aha moment going, wow, there's a lot of people out there that if there was a way or an outlet for them to help, to give their time, just to do it. And so that was kind of my, I'm going, wow, I can, you know, Let's move on this. And so people can go to defendingfreedom.org or on YouTube. There's kind of the history of how it started. And it was with these camouflage wristbands that I had come up with. And so I donate these to military charities. They sell them and they keep 100% of the money. So it's a way for nonprofits to raise money and it doesn't cost them anything. And I send them for free and I don't want anything in return, just a tally of how much we raised. We've raised you know, over $2 million with these you know, camouflage wristbands, which was kind of cool. Wow. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, it was just a passion. I saw it. I took the opportunity. And I think a lot of people see opportunities, and they kind of write them down in their little notebooks, right? And then they don't do anything. Yeah, if that, if even writing it down, you know, and sometimes it's just kind of that passing idea. But I like the way that played out for you where you you see something on the news and it's like, man, I could do that. I think I could make that happen. You go do it within a few days. And so it wasn't like I saw this thing on the news and now I've got a massive business plan and I've got it all sketched out and I know exactly how it's going to work out. It's like, let's just take the next logical step. So the next logical step is to host some type of little rally. Again, you could have done the rally and it could have been great or it could have been a bomb. You don't know, but you tried it. It worked out great. And so now from there, you can take another logical step in building out this kind of this passion of this dream that you have. Yeah, without a doubt. And then other people, when you take that first step, right? I mean, you find, listen, I'm a big fan of when I look back at all the businesses I started and I did them by myself, failed, mm. right? I think you really need to find key people because my set of skills, Grant, I hate to tell you, it's a very short list that can fit on a sticky note. So find people who are just have fun at stuff that you cannot stand doing, right? Yeah. And so I look back, and so when I had this first event and when I first started my first business, anything I did, when I found people that were passionate about supporting what I was doing and had skills that I didn't have, I brought them on, right? And so they kind of helped me with my focus, right? And I could give them tasks and ideas and we could plan on different strategies and they would take the ball, right? I'm really good at returning the football, and boy, I could take it down and just knock the crap out of everyone, take it down to the other team's 20, and I'd put the ball down, and I'd run back and try to catch another kickoff. Yeah. I couldn't take it to the goal line. Yeah. Right? So I needed teammates to help me do that. And I encourage all the young people out there is find someone you can partner with that can help you that have skills that you don't have and work together on it. Plus, it's a lot more fun, and entrepreneurship can be extremely lonely. Yeah, for sure. So what you're doing, the defending freedom for a little bit, how does American Dream start to come into it? 
Right. So we, we did a lot of stuff with the wounded and their families. And so as the war started drawing down and you know, we've gotten all of our troops out of Iraq, and then all of a sudden I'm hearing that all these guys are getting laid off from the military, right? The budget cuts. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, what are these guys going to do? And I started doing some research and I'm finding out that, you know, there's 22 suicides a day from these veterans and the unemployment rate for veterans is twice as high. And I'm going, wow, why don't the entrepreneurship community go and help Right, give their share their wisdom and their knowledge. And so I've got, you know, people can look on the website. We've got amazing entrepreneurs, TED speakers that are like, Yeah, I'll go speak to these young men and women. Right. Right. So that's when about a year and a half ago we started pivoting because I saw a need, right? There was less wounded, you know, coming back. We still definitely support that. But now all of a sudden there's two hundred thousand, you know, men and women that are being asked to leave the military, not because they want to, because of certain budgetary constraints. And so yeah, it's awesome. And it's an easy mission, right, Grant? I mean, I talked to you and I'm like, hey, how would you like to speak to a whole bunch of guys and, you know, spouses and women who are leaving the military and get to hang out with these guys? It's not a tough sell. Right, right. It's a really cool group to work with. But I think that's the case with a lot of nonprofits. You know, there's a lot of cool things that you hear and you're like, man, that is cool. That'd be a neat thing to get behind. So is there anything that you have to do to kind of differentiate yourself or to show someone that, hey, here's why you should contribute to this cause versus any other of the million of other good causes that exist in the world? So my organization is a little unique because it's completely funded by myself. So at this point, you know, we're going to scale and we probably will get some corporate sponsors. So, you know, advice to nonprofits out there, be lean. There's no difference, you know, when you start a business being lean, when you start a nonprofit being lean. I get approached by a whole bunch of nonprofits and I say, you know, if I donate a dollar, how much goes to your programs and how much goes to your salaries? Well, right right now it's, you know, 85% goes to salaries and 15% goes to our programs. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are just looking for, not all of them, right? But a lot of people are just looking for a job Mm -hmm. and they might be passionate. So when you're starting a nonprofit, be lean and just be totally whoever you're, whether it's animals or kids or whatever, have your focus totally be on the people you're trying to serve or the cause you're trying to serve. Is there anything, looking back on the times that you've had American Dream You and what you've done there, is there anything that you do different in just starting and running a nonprofit? Well, I'd probably try to raise some money, right? Because I'm writing checks for this organization. So I fly the speakers around. I fly our team around. You know, everything we do, I would probably would have set up some type of a sustainable structure to do that. I'm very fortunate I can afford to do that. But that's probably one area looking back. I don't know. That's a really good question. Again, I'm a little bit unique because... You know, no one has to ask me where I'm spending my money because it's my money. Right, right, right. Right? So that's a little different. Now, when we are going to start taking corporate sponsors at some point or donations, then, yeah, we're going to have to set up a structure. And I'll always be, you know, a dollar a year guy. You know, I don't want anyone thinking I'm making money off the military. And, again, when people are starting their nonprofits, you don't want to make this all about you. You want to make it all about whoever you're trying to serve. And I think that's really important uh, when people start a nonprofit. Good stuff, man. Hey, if we want to find out more about American Dream U or you or some of the different projects that you've got your hands in, where can we go? So it's American Dream, the letter U, dot org. That's our website. And if anyone out there wants to be a mentor to a you know soldier, Marine, sailor, airman, uh, or a spouse or a veteran, uh, we have a section on there for mentors. We love mentorship. We think that's key. So they can click on that and fill out that. If anyone wants to speak, that's awesome. I'm also in the process of writing a book on veterans, interviewing veteran entrepreneur and leaders. 
So we want to give that. That's going to be a free tool that we're going to give out to people transitioning. And then my personal website is philrandazzo.com, but no one really cares about me, so that's not that important. But the AmericanDreamU.org is, is a pretty cool website. Yeah, it is. I'm on it right now. It's a sharp-looking site, and uh, what you guys are doing is really, really cool. So looking forward to being a part of some of your events in the future. So, Phil, thanks for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat with Phil Randazzo of American Dream U. Great, great story there. Feel free to go to grandbaldon.com slash Phil Randazzo, R-A-N-D-A-Z-Z-O, and you can look up the show notes, links, everything we discussed there. If you want to check out American Dream U, I'd encourage you stop by, check them out. Really, really great organization that, again, helping the soldiers make a smooth transition back into civilian life and just a cool, cool thing that they're doing there. You know, I love what Phil was talking about there of how he saw this thing on TV and within a couple of days, he decided to put together his own rally and thousands of people showed up at it. And he was someone who just, he put action to his passion. It wasn't a passion that sat on the sidelines that just waited for his number to be called. He took action. And so I I love that. Even where we talked about just kind of figuring out as you go, he was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't even feel like I know what I'm doing. That's okay. You'll figure it out as you go, but you have to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. And you know, to be honest with you, that's part of the reason why we created Clarity Course is we wanted to give people a place to start. If you're someone who's just like, Grant, I have no idea what it is that I want to do with my life. I know what I'm currently doing isn't a good fit for me. I would rather be doing work that I love. I'd rather be doing something that I'm passionate about. I'd rather be doing something that I feel like I'm good at. I'd rather look forward to Monday than dread them. This course is for you. And so we wanted to give you structure and activities and tools and resources to help you not only discover your passion, but to put action to it and to help Help you just start somewhere instead of just sitting on the sideline hoping it all just magically works out. Life doesn't work like that. You just can't sit by, click your heels, and hope that it all comes together. And so we wanted to create this course for you to help you truly find and do work you love. So you can go to claritycourse.com. You can download different videos that we've put together, some different training tools that we've created for you. I don't want to just talk to you about it. I want to give you some actual tools and practical advice and things that you can do to really find what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, how those things translate into a career. So please, I'd encourage you to stop by, check out claritycourse.com. All right, I think that wraps up today's episode. Next week, Clarity Course will be live and available for you. So I can't wait to share that with you. Excited for you to get your hands on it. It's going to be great, great stuff. Hope you have a great rest of the week, good weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Peace out, Girl Scout. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.